welcome to the Angler Hot Seat Podcast. I'm Janice Min, your host today with Richard Rushfield. Hi, Richard. Hi there. You're out of the basement. Yeah, barely. Yeah, Richard. Richard's pink line is no longer. He's COVID free. Um, I am. I am officially <laughs> negative instead of uh, unofficially, as I've been for uh, all of my previous career. Uh, okay. And we have Tatiana here. Hi, Tatiana Siegel. Hey, Janice. Hi. And of course, Sean McNulty, the writer of our amazing The Wake Up newsletter. Hi, Sean. Hey, Janice. Hi. Please remember to like and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And please subscribe to The Ankler at theankler.com, which the New York Times calls a hit Hollywood newsletter. So today it's August. It's a little slow, and we've decided to dive into everybody's favorite topic, anxiety. We did an anxiety week uh, a few months back um, at the Ankler, where we did a bunch of really interesting stories uh, delving into the basically um, high-pressure psychic state of people in Hollywood, both career-wise and uh, in the macro business level. But it seems like those pressures have only gotten more severe. Um, Everyone is worrying about stock prices, layoffs, um, real estate, are they? Do they need to sell their Malibu beach house if they're lucky enough to have that as a problem? Um, but uh, so a few things we want to talk about on today's show. One is both how anxiety has been revealed um, as a personal issue among some people in town, including Jonah Hill and, uh, well, Ezra Miller, which Tatiana can talk about. Um, and then also um, Richard wrote a great piece this week, uh, you know, just a fantastic beach read that I'm sure ratcheted up the anxiety for everybody. Um, and Richard, what was it called? Summers, summers, uh, harbingers of of, uh, of 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 doom. There, or yeah, which which basically laid out that we are all in uh, the the industry is living in um, an incredible state of denial. And I have to say, I have I read I read a line from a story that's we're posting next week. That Peter Kiefer, who writes for us, wrote, and I'll just I won't give away the story, but one of the lines, and it was a quote from someone saying, I feel like uh I feel like it's a game of musical chairs and my chair is disappearing. Um, and this was uh someone responding to the layoffs that happened at HBO Max this week, about 70 people, which I think we all believe is the tip of the iceberg. Um, so okay, um Tatiana, why don't you start with the personal anxiety issues that have revealed themselves this week in in town. Yeah. So, I mean, I was definitely struck by the Jonah Hill news. And just in case anyone's not aware, he announced that he is stepping away from promoting his movies and making public appearances due to panic attacks. Um, In a statement, he said, I have spent nearly 20 years experiencing anxiety attacks, which are exacerbated by media appearances and public facing events. Um, And, you know, it's I think it was kind of stunning to see this used as first of all, that it was like a statement issued by a publicist saying, you know, like my client is not going to be participating in what every actor and actress has sort of been forced to do for a century, which is promote their movies. And, you know, how do you say, I think it, it raises a question of um, can studios 
and networks push back because they have this contractual obligation um, they, they sign on for when they do a movie. And is this going to be sort of a new carve out in contracts? Like, I, I, I'm not going to well, be able it's to. A, it's like a disability issue, right? I mean, it's, 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 um, it's like a, it's a, it would have to be acknowledged. You can't force someone to perform against, uh, you know, the, their better medical judgment, right? Um, right. It's, yeah. Um, but, but the, interestingly, the documentary where he is not doing promotion is about, isn't it, a, isn't yes. it about anxiety? Mental, yes. Mental and, health, and, yes. Yes, exactly. So uh, there was a little bit of a, an, an ironic twist there. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it was, um, you know, I don't know if this is new. Uh, it feels kind of new or it feels new that people are being very candid about their mental health struggles or issues. We had Sean Mendez cancel a recent tour due to mental health, the, the mental health toll of performing live. And Ezra Miller is seeking treatment for some mental health issue that has Probably clearly long hit, overdue. Yes, yes. I, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that it hit a tipping point over the past year or so. And then Tom Holland, who seems like the most well-adjusted person on the planet, said he is leaving social media to preserve his own mental health, which, um, you know, that like these are things that sort of in the space of one week when you have all of these statements being, I mean, Sean Mendez was uh, a little, like maybe a month ago or so, but Ezra, um, Jonah and Tom Holland all and within this, the space of three days. And it follows Naomi Osaka, right? From last year, uh, refusing to do, was it at the, Sean, I bet you know, was it at the French Open? I believe it was the U.S. The Open, if I'm not US mistaken. Open. I'm not a big tennis okay. guy, so I will say that was a little oh, out of my okay. review. But uh, I believe okay. it was after the U.S. Open. But yeah, last last a year ago, last summer. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think that, and I think doing the press conferences after um, after the uh, tournaments is written into her, it written into the contracts, right? And um, and so that that became an issue. Then of course Simone Biles at the at the Olympics um, dropping out for mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and Sean, didn't I mean, you mention something about Carson Daly? Um... Well, yeah, I mean Carson's been he does a lot of great work on this. He's been very public about his you know, years long, you know, just the work with anxiety and, and public stress. And he, you know, uh, the Today Show did a big thing about mental health this summer, so, you know, a week long worth of programming, talking all about this stuff. And, you know, he shared on social media, this photo of him from The Voice, and he's just like an on air, you know, still. And he's like, right now I'm pinching my legs so hard because my anxiety is, you know, like, like he's just saying like the things you don't see and don't talk about, like are there and he wants to like, he's made a big point of sharing his journey through it to help other people you know feel more confident or open about speaking about moments they have where you just wouldn't know and you know back to Jonah Hill how many interviews have we seen him on he's gone you know through different looks and things like that it, you know things go on with people you just don't know about and they're so is now this kind of door has opened to speak about it and be honest about it and say, I'm looking to address it. This is what it is. And, you know, go on with my life. I mean, not doing a press conference has nothing to do with 
me being a tennis star. And that was her whole point with the French Open. I think it was the French Open. Janice was like, well, every athlete who's in the French Open has to do a press conference. And like, she's like, what does that have to do with me being a tennis, you know, like answering 10 irrelevant questions after a match has nothing to do with me be, being an, a tennis star. So, you know, and back to Jonah's point and, you know, Tatiana is and Janice in the contracts. It's like, yeah, there is that way, but that stuff's always pretty like Tom Cruise didn't do, I mean, he did the big premiere, but he wasn't everywhere doing every interview, you know, in the U S for, you know, for top gun, he wasn't on every outlet doing it, you know? So like, there's always caveats in these PR tours, every star, I mean, famously, you all know, will do certain things and some people will be a hard no on a lot of things. And some people will do everything. So, you know, and back even to Will Smith, who's, you know, just, he's obviously been going through a lot personally through <laughs> before and after the Oscars, quite frankly. He's dying uh, to probably do a, a, a red carpet or something, you know, may, make an appearance uh, somewhere. <laughs> maybe, but, you know, behind the scenes, who knows what's, you know, is going on there, but that certainly was part of it too. So it's just, but you're right, Tatiana, this week was like, just like one, two, three. And even Lizzo has talked about this as well. And she left Twitter right. before her album came out. So Look, I mean, the thing about it is the social media, the social media world is calculated to drive everybody uh, insane. And like, I I look at Twitter for 10 minutes and I feel like I need a doctor's care. (laughs) And imagine if like day after day, every day you're looking at it and there's millions of people talking about you and everything you do and every choice you make. And they're doing that and there's no respite from it. They're doing it day and night constantly and in the most pleasant supportive ways as they do on social media Uh, Um, and probably by the way if you ignore it your publicist will call you at midnight and say did you see that blah 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 is happening you're being referenced on you know tiktok right now and or instagram like it, it it unless you really turn off deactivate uh your account so you kind of can't get away from it yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are doing. That's what they're doing now. Tom's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And people are, you know, and it isn't, you know, look, an actor on the rise, you have to build a profile. It is what it is. And you get a certain point where it's like, I don't need to do this anymore. People know who Tom Holland is. It's like, you know, I'm just so like, you know, exactly. You just turn around and be like, why am I doing this? And that I probably never liked in the first place, but participated because of those exact reasons, Tatiana, the publicist, the studios, everybody's telling you, you got, and you know, and he's a young guy. He's not a, you know, Ryan Reynolds or someone who's going to be much older has been through being around the business before social media. Like, you know, if you come up in this era, that's all you're told. And it's like, right. once you have that moment, whether that's a stress moment or a personal realization or whatever it is, and, and maybe they're not wrong. Like, I don't even know that, like, is it, when is this correlation of, you know, Addison Ray is the biggest star in TikTok can she open a movie, you know, remember all those like, YouTube stars that like yeah. made the promise that they could be a movie, you know, Who's crossing they... over, you know, movie stars are made at the movie theater. They're not, you know, I don't know. Richard, you've been very quiet. Has this conversation made you anxious? It does. I, you know, I, I, I think these uh, stars that are leaving social media is they're our heroes. And, um, the best thing we can do for the, the 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 children today is encourage people to get as far from these things as possible. And it, it, they're just, they are, it, it's like anxiety. Uh, it's, it's machines built to just drive anxiety up with, within you every time you look at them. There's no, and I I know for myself, my, my own mental health is 
directly uh, in a negative correlation to how much I, I, I look at social media in a day. And uh, I, I, I think they're doing, they're doing a, a great thing. And it's part of, it is part of the whole world. It's, uh, the, the, the problem for Hollywood is that everything is just this endless swirl and of, 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 of things like filtered through the worst reactions and it's very hard for anything to have meaning and stand up and, and anything to, you know, from a commercial perspective, to develop an audience or build. And yep. it's just it's just this swirling morass. And no wonder everybody is uh, well, having a meltdown. So, Richard, this is a good segue into your column you did this week, because one of the points you make, and I think it's analogous to social media, is what the um, is what the streaming services do, which is. They are going to flood the consumer so hard with it, with shows that like it and most of them don't land. The majority of them don't land, but it's but you have to flood the zone to maybe find a hit. Um, I and mean, you, well, keep going, because, I mean, you want you you wrote a lot about this. So I'll let yeah, you I, I mean, at, at the base of it for for the streaming services, there was a time not too long ago, a couple of years ago, maybe, where you could still say with a straight face, well, good things will find an audience. You know, you do, you, the, the, the best shows will find an audience. That, that is absolutely not true anymore. Um, so essentially, short of committing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars marketing um, a show like, like HBO and Amazon are going to do now with Game of Thrones with their two dragon shows that are coming. Um, I love it. The, dragon face off. <laughs> or the elf shows i i'm not sure uh but Less sexy. Um, but you if you're if you're an executive you 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 can make the best thing the most targeted uh series you want you cannot have any reason to feel confident that that will find its audience at all uh so you're the the best you can hope is i bought a bunch of lottery tickets and something has to cash in. And uh, that's a hard way to build business. And that's, that's sort of well, the basis of what I wrote. So, but Richard, can we just recap what's in your column? Because I think it raised many good points. And so, so basically, I mean, I think you're capturing this, well, you make this comment in your introduction about how one of the greatest things that Hollywood does is, um, is exercise group denial. And so there are, so it's our superpower. In, Superpower, I think, yes. And so earlier in the year, things seemed like they were going really bad. And then people kind of got into summer and now we're in this weird holding pattern. But the harbingers of things to come, um, you, we, I think you classified some of them as near-term threats and some of them as maybe existential threats. Um, will you just walk us through those? Yeah. So so what we went through recently is we uh, to recap, over the last couple of years, we had we we went through the the streaming model was going to save us all, and that was going to guide industry. And, and and there were there were analysts calling, you know, just shut down everything else and put it into your services. The services are are everything. They've got data. They've got the the, the recurring revenue. It's everything you can want. So why are you talking about these musty old theaters? And then we we then we had the Netflix crash. And people have realized this model that has never produced a profit anywhere is probably not going to save Hollywood. And that that came right as sort of people were coming back to the theaters after COVID. And you had you had some big hits come out, notably uh, uh, Top Gun. 
So people were like, okay, well, that, it, it's fine. We'll go back to uh, theatrical and movies will save us again. Uh, and find those movie is, stars. Yeah. And the problem is, as we're encountering um, that uh, there's not a lot of movies that, that studios over the past few years stopped making movies or they pulled it. They, they, they kind of followed what was the uh, Robert Iger model at Disney where he essentially cut in half the number of movies that they were producing and said, well, we'll just make half movies and they'll all be hits, which is great if it works, but it tends not to work for people. Uh, 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 so wait, Richard, when you, when, when that strategy happens, like the budgets of those few movies, fewer movies that make it in are, are enormous, right? Because yeah, you're making them spectacles. You're, you're, yeah, you're not making, you're, you're, you're getting out of the business of making little mid-level level dramas and adult, uh, adult films, or you're, you're, you're not doing anything except making giant family films and, and action spectacles. And that's it. Uh, and uh, terrific. If you can make 10 movies a year and nine or 10 of them can be hits, that's a, that's a very good business. Uh, very few people can ever pull that off, uh, including right now, Disney. So what we're seeing now, you, you look ahead is there's, there's so I, so I added up the number of studio releases dated for next year, and it comes to about one a weekend, which is uh, sort of catastrophic for theaters. <laughs> so it's so basically what you got now is the streaming model doesn't work, the theatrical model doesn't work, and nobody seems to have a uh, a, a plan C in mind in mind right now. So. Uh, I would call that cause for panic is, is where well, I was going. Well, can I, can I have Sean jump in for a second? Because he wrote, he, he actually wrote about the, I think it was last weekend, Sean, it was the lowest box office weekend since the darkest days of Omicron one, right. Of January, February. Um, right. And, uh, and then, but then sort of, I think you sounded an alarm bell because not only was this past weekend, very, very bad, but you looked ahead at what's coming out, not next year as Richard did, but in the third quarter of this year. Yeah, I actually, I mean, as it's funny after uh, after Minions, I looked ahead and I was like, guys, uh, no one's writing about this yet. But this was I wrote this on July sixth for the first time, saying Q three looks really bad right now, and that was that that was you know, and then it's changed a little bit since then. But even yeah, that was a month ago. Then again, this weekend was like. Hey, remember when I said there's no movies come mid-August? Boom, worst weekend since again, or tied for the worst weekend since the end of February. So like it's happening, it's here, and everybody's like, ah, uh, okay, what? What's going to happen? And now, you know, you have uh, the new David O. Russell movie actually moved up to October fourth out of November. So some things are slotting in a little bit, and Disney moved this uh, Barbarian or Disney Fox moved the movie called The Barbarian to a slot that was open in September. It's just triaging right now, but then the, the big thing that happened yesterday was Cineworld, which runs the Regal uh, chain of cinemas, which is the number two chain in the United States, issued uh, essentially a big uh, warning saying, um, yeah, the box office is going to be terrible until November, and we're going to have to restructure our debt because we don't have the cash as our business currently exists to make it until, I mean, they didn't say that word per se, but that's kind of the, you know, the, the implication there. So, and then Adam Aaron, who runs AMC had to put out a statement today saying, Hey, we have enough money to last. Don't worry about us because their stock's taking a 
I don't know, 20% hit the past two days in accordance with that. So yeah, it's like the problems here and there's the Richard's point. There's not, there's not like, it's not, this is two years post COVID, but it's like, Oh, is there a COVID delay? I'm like, I don't know that you can really, they're using that term of like, you know, it's a backlog because of COVID production. I'm like, I don't know that that tracks anymore. I think it's more what Richard's saying is just like the studios kind of abandoned the box office for Q3 until black Adam in late, late October. So and, and- I, Go ahead, Richard. Oh, e- e- even even more than just lack of product, the, the the problem is that what we're getting is is going to be so much the same that they've decided that movies are family are are basically animated cartoons and big budget action films, and the 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 problem is you 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 say that to consumer to to, to moviegoers over and over, they're going to start to believe you eventually. And they're going to start to believe that movie theater, that that this is what movie theaters are for. Those two things, and when that's all they're getting, when their diet is just that, uh, not only are they going to go less, but um, that's going to get really boring really fast. Yeah, and it it does set up a a paradigm for a real disaster happening. And you know, uh, if you look at the agricultural industry. America basically makes two crops, corn and soy, and all you need is like one locust or something to wipe out. <laughs> like you need more, more diversity of, you can't just have two kinds of crops or else you're screwed if something happens. Tatiana, I had no idea you would know the two main crops in America. Mm. I'm, I'm very surprised. <laughs> yes, that that is a very good fact and a very good analogy here. Um, we are going to pause for a word from our sponsor, Disney Plus, and we'll be right back after this message. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Disney Plus's The Beatles, Get Back. Now nominated for five Emmys, including Outstanding Documentary or Nonfiction Series and Outstanding Directing for a Documentary Nonfiction Program. Deadline calls it a triumph of technology and tenacity. And Rolling Stone raves, it's a stunningly intimate portrait of friendship. For your Emmy consideration, The Beatles, Get Back. Now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Before we wrap up this conversation about box office and theatrical, I want to ask Richard and Sean and Tatiana, um, this is more than just a conversation about preserving something old timey that like the, the tradition of theatrical. Can you just explain like what are the consequences to our big conglomerate owners now um, if theatrical uh starts dwindling into non-existence what happens well for one for one thing um theatrical has been the driver of of so much up the theatrical makes a lot of money in itself and uh uh when it, go, when it goes well and and uh creates a lot of a lot of revenue but when you look at the product lines the rides all the the whole disney flywheel almost all of that comes out of of theatrical products and theatrical is where you create a a, a bigger experience uh for something and a longer tale and i just i i i ask this recurringly in in the column i i saw an answer like show me a streaming series that has spawned a a product line anywhere i mean there might be some stranger thing t-shirts out there or something but compared to you know what any Pixar film, except for maybe Lightyear, um, 
uh, has produced, it's uh, just nothing comparable compared to, you know, the value of the minions as a uh, beyond the films is is in the multiple. You know, how many billions is that worth, Sean? Uh, yeah, well, minions. I mean, you know, yeah, in that case alone, and that wasn't even that came out of a movie that wasn't a minions movie. It's just despicable me. They were a side character in the first film, so they weren't even that wasn't even a intentional franchise. But without despicable me being in theaters, that whole thing wouldn't exist. So if despicable me had gone to streaming, there they would not even have the minions franchise as you know it today. I mean, we're talking eons ago, and even more to the point, I, I, I talked to somebody involved with. With that, I asked him, like, if after, say, the second movie, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure to create a Minions TV show. If if you had done a Minions TV show at that point, uh, would would Minions still be alive as this, as this juggernaut? And he was adamant that absolutely not, uh, that they would have burned out by now and that would be over and would not be that kind of demand. Yeah, it's it's not the Star Wars universe of uh, depth of, and even that, who knows when that comes back to theaters? You know, after having six Star Wars series or whatever it's going to be by the, between least, the two movies, at least, uh, what's that going to do to it? You know, no one knows that answer. But Richard, you bring up animation, which actually is a really good <laughs> case study of this summer. Um, light year aside, but you had Minions certainly, but there were two big streaming movies, animated movies that came out. That I mean, look, I don't have kids, so I'm not living in that world, but. There was a movie, The Sea Beast, from the guy who did Moana, which came in, uh, which went on Netflix in the weekend, uh, July 9th. I've heard, you know, it didn't do extremely I well. I haven't okay. heard of that. Janice, Janice isn't even aware of it. So <laughs> I have I've, kids and I haven't heard oh, of that. Exactly. Okay. There you go. Likewise here. Okay. Over <laughs> for three here. All right. Well, that's, but they, they know, that was from the guy who did Big Hero 6 and Moana and got very well reviewed, um, came out July 9th and even on Netflix's own streaming, you know, weekly numbers did okay. Wasn't, you know, but it wasn't, that movie wasn't everywhere in the ether marketing and board of mouth. Number two, we just had the first uh, Skydance movie, Luck, came out a few weeks ago on Apple TV. Is that taking off in the zeitgeist anywhere in your worlds? I, I, again, back to the focus group here, but like, if that's not Minions. That's not even Lightyear. But isn't that because there are so few subscribers to Apple TV? Um, I mean, we don't, it's certainly out there as a, as a thing, but you know, I mean, you're entirely, the base isn't as large as, you know, but it versus a theatrical film where anybody Sorry. can go. From so John Lasseter. Yeah. From John, Le- the guy, I'll go say ahead, over the years, there've been, there, there have been Netflix films that, that, that my kids loved and, and other, uh, other things that kids love. And just as with, uh, Films that I've watched online that I've enjoyed. Uh, two weeks later, nobody's mentioned. They're not mentioning it or talking about it, and it's not. They're they're not going on rides for it. They're not buying toys. They're not. It's not. They're not looking for the new movie. The, the another another one of those. It's 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 as though it never happened. Yeah. There's no cultural moment. Go ahead. Yeah, you yeah. need like you need that theatrical opening, even if you watch it on streaming, like. Um, Jurassic World Dominion. Like, I have not seen that in a theater, but because it had a theatrical release with, you know, like lots of fanfare internationally, it creates a reason, a raison d'etre where you right. it um, had the stamp of approval, or this is this is important with a capital I and that, that you that, might tune in. That Netflix movie, uh, what is it? Mitchell's Mitchell versus and the Machine. Mich- Mich- which yeah. was a Sony film actually originally, but yeah. yeah. 
It was as good as any anime movie this year. If if that had been released in theaters and had a full marketing budget and everything, it it that could very conceivably have launched a launched a whole franchise and that'd be it. It was that that movie had no juice with my daughter. I I tried to get her to <laughs> interested in it to watch it with me. To, didn't care, and Not probably because we never yeah we never drove down like uh, Sunset Boulevard and saw uh, you know. Um, billboard for it or something or never she never was served commercials for it on youtube and all those things that typically stoke the curiosity in advance and the um, happy meal and everything else that goes on hap- yeah, a, you know, you exactly know. and that's kind of like the zazla versus sarandos this is it and zazla's come in and says that come in and said theatrical matters we've seen these films go on hbo max direct this is the whole batgirl thing the exact thing is like it has to go theatrical things that go theatrical do much better on hbo max than things that do not have that. And Netflix is saying the exact opposite. I think he's right. I would agree. Well, here's another example on, 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 on the other end of a spectrum. This is totally speculative and can't be proven. But uh, so last weekend, uh, Easter Sunday came out and, and bombed. But it 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 had a, a, a real theatrical release and, and relaunch. If Easter Sunday had come out on, um, on, on any Peacock. service... Yeah, yeah it like it would have been Peacock because it was a universal. It, it would have been mentioned by no one and forgotten even before it came out. Uh, now that that is going to appear on on Peacock, and it's it's very potential. It's it's very possible it can have a it could have a long tail and be, yeah, and, and, and all the way seen. to Easter twenty twenty three. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. something that people regularly regularly watch. Uh, I mean, part of it was a movie called Easter Sunday was not released. Well, it was supposed to be, but they moved it from yeah from Easter season. <laughs> that's an interesting choice. But there's also just the, the the flywheel of this. We're back to Easter Sunday. That's on Pivot as of next week. So you know what? That's also revenue twenty dollar rental at home. People maybe didn't go to the theater, but this feeds that, and then it'll go to Peacock, and it's another part of the flywheel. Where if it just goes to streaming, it's a one you're checking one box. Where theatrical, yes, you do have that big marketing spend, but. You do, now with the, the the windows changed from COVID being these these theater, these films go to Pivod to rent at home for twenty bucks within three weeks if they don't work in theaters, that buzz is still out there of a and, marketing campaign, and now you can NBC Universal can maybe recoup, if, you know, more money off of that, and then it goes to Peacock to hopefully recoup more money off of that. All right, let's let's keep our anxiety discussion moving along. And I, I thought there were two interesting, you know, going back to the, there's not a chair for everybody um, or musical chairs theme. The, uh, there was that story in the wall street journal um, that Jessica Tunkel, who I love and respect as a reporter broke about Scott Stuber interviewing to run film at Amazon. What, what do, do we have thoughts on that? I mean, it's it, for him. So, so Scott Sober is in a position where he has, uh, so he's 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 presided over a unlimited budget there at uh, at at Netflix. It for for him to go and, and do that at, at Amazon would would suggest that Amazon wants to get into film in a more much more serious way than. Uh, well, did you catch the line? just because it all comes back to this theatrical versus streaming debate. Did you catch the line in the Wall Street Journal story where it said that Scott Stuber had been in disagreement, I believe, with Ted and Reed about releasing Netflix films theatrically before they appear on the platform or in conjunction with appearance on the platform? I think that's uh, 
been out there that he he that that he is a uh, an advocate for uh, for 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 Netflix having a theatrical arm to it and uh maybe and that's Ted and out. Reed seem quite rigid on that topic right but they also were once rigid about advertising but they're not going to pull the theatrical level lever until the advertising lever goes and that still has 18 months of runway so there's no in, in, in two years you're not going to see it you know i don't know my opinion Wait, but... sean you had in your newsletter this morning what was it about you picked up a story was it from digiday about what microsoft is saying about netflix and advertising oh well this is the ad agencies uh so digiday did a roundup of just talking to ad agent ad buyers um in the market at agencies and what do you think of you know the netflix amazon netflix uh microsoft's you know service coming and they're like we don't know who to talk to we don't know if microsoft's running the show amazon's running the show they keep asking us how much money do you have without telling us what the ad opportunity is. And they're like, you know, it wasn't an auspicious and they did it, you know, it was, it wasn't like they talked to two people. It was a like pretty, maybe four or five or, you know, maybe more people all saying kind of the same thing of, we don't know who to talk to here. And we're not very, you know, they weren't very, they weren't very happy with what, you know, the start of it. And it seems a little clunky. Look, it's a new endeavor. Everybody gets, a, everybody gets a pass. But for a service that's launching in roughly four months, it's like, you know, anxiety uh, time, anxiety time a little <laughs> bit in that world, hundred percent. Wait, wasn't there, there was one thing though, that was mentioned in that, I think it was in that story, Sean, where mm. if you opt for the ad supported tier of Netflix, you can no longer download That shows. was a, a different story from Bloomberg yesterday, but yeah, oh, from so Bloomberg, was, yes. somebody looked in some, they were looking at computer code of all things, something I will not oh, do, yeah. Janice, by yes. the way. So just so you know, I will take through an earnings report. I will not take through a computer code. Um, but finding Yet. a thing where there was something saying this, you could not download shows, the original shows to go if you have the ad supported, which makes, look, there has to be a differentiator between these two services. Like, I'm not like, oh my God, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, that's the reason you have to upsell people. Well, you have to take away just, things. Sorry. Okay. So we have ad supported Peacock and we were, we were, you know, I'm I'm on the East Coast right now. So before we were flying earlier this week, we tried to download Yellowstone, which I finally started to watch, and you can't. So they don't own it. Yes, so they don't own it. But I thought also because of the ads. No, I, no? Viacom, Viacom was no Paramount okay. was not giving them download rights to their show uh, on their. I mean, that'd be my guess on that. Maybe you can uh -huh. on, on the on the ten dollar one, but my guess is that's more of a Paramount problem than a. By the way, know. Yellowstone's. I mean, let me really break some news here. It's very, very good. Right. <laughs> it is. I know. I was such a skeptic. I was like, it. It is very, very good. Just gonna <laughs> yeah. say that. And I'm going to say, even though I'm not up to the season that was eligible for the Emmys, it was robbed because it is so good. <laughs> a late, um, okay. a late game. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, never say I wasn't last to the party. Wait. One more quick thought on the, the Stuber thing, though. Is like. Maybe he's tired of making 70 movies a year. You think? Is my only other thought is like, why is he, you know, if that story's, I mean, Jessica's a great source. So I was, you know, I no doubt, no reason to doubt it or whatever. He might be, you know, maybe he's taking a meeting. Who knows what it was? But to your point, whether is that fric friction about theatrical with Ted and Reed, which is not, not going away, you know, uh, no indication of that whatsoever. And B, look, he's had to be the face of the guy going in the New York Times two times in the past year saying, yeah, you know, not everyone's, you know, whatever his kind of spin right. on the quality is. And like, at a certain point, he has to own that lineup and he's has a great history of being a great film producer and an executive universal. And when these movies are coming out and everybody's like, 
hey, Purple Hearts is awesome and or whatever. It's the big thing. And it's, you know, it is what it is, but it's maybe not what he wants to be doing with his film career. I mean, it's entirely feasible that he's looking at this now and saying, hmm, maybe I go to the MGM library and a fresh start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have some IP to also work right. with, right? In-house. And, yep. and library and... Well, I don't know if you caught this line in um, Jeff Snyder did his net in his State of Slate series. He did Netflix this week. And... Um, it was, and it's a very, very long read, um, but it's it's excellent and really dives into what is going on at Netflix, um, including paydays and um, and what's coming out in 2023 and uh, who's in charge of what with the org chart. But this um, maybe you caught this that Scott Stuber has uh, sole green light authority. So he if he wants to green light a 200 million dollar gray man like every every week, he can do that, which. That so that to me is I, I think with that kind of power it would be hard to let that go but it's probably also overwhelming if you don't feel like those movies are getting a maximum rollout as someone who comes from the traditional studio system. It's a different. Uh, I mean, he knew that going in. Obviously, you know, taking that job it was a different, you know, different beast. But it's maybe it's gotten to a point where he wants to make a change and. Amazon doesn't have that edict to put out that kind of volume. Um, they do no, put films they don't in do theaters. Like that. They're yeah. open, they're, they're new man. You know, they've new... won. They've won Oscars, right? Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's there's uh, some advantages to that. Um, I mean, you so... don't like don't, if you're Scott Stuber, don't you want to get your hands on the James Bond franchise? I don't know if he's going to have his hands on that. <laughs> the broccoli may have, <laughs> but yes, he certainly. But that that also. But to your point, the broccoli's will probably feel a lot better working with Scott Stuber on this than you know who's launched many many the Fast and Furious whatever it is he knows franchises like it might yeah. it's a, you could see where that might be a, a way to go. So you know it's it's it didn't shock me to hear that. Like I, I was like, oh, Scott runs it. He can order whatever he wants, as you say, Janice. But like, maybe he just wants to get back to, to Richard's point, not making so much and making maybe only doing things that movies. I want to make yeah. and not having to hit seventy films a year and having this, you know, this situation. That, that would, however, be the first person in Hollywood history <laughs> who's chosen to take a smaller job. Uh, the, uh, probably true. Willingly, probably. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean it. It is like it would be, but pretty staggering to see something like that but um you know th th i think the problem is is also he's never really allowed to take credit for whatever is a hit because you have no idea what's a hit there and the task of not just making 70 million movies a year but 70 original movies a year yeah every other every other studio makes like three or four original movies a year and they make yeah. 70 i mean like quality has to give it has to give and they are scaling that. I'm saying that that's been the that that mandate is going down a bit. But um, and who knows what the checkbook is? And I don't think his budget is going down. But obviously, Netflix is in a different mode than they were six months ago. Is is right. the you know is, is who knows if things have changed behind the scenes? So, uh, lastly, I think let's maybe we'll make this our last topic today, unless some of you have more anxiety provoking things you'd like to talk about. But um, before little shortly before we tape this. Um, the news came out about Brian Stelter exiting CNN. And Tatiana, you've covered CNN a lot. Tell us what, what your take is on this. I think it's very telling of what we can expect from CNN in the future. And I think the writing was on the wall for Brian yeah. after Zucker was um, let go. Uh, and, you know, I think that 
he was somebody who was part of the Zucker stable. So um, I w- I'm not even remotely surprised. I'm surprised it actually is just happening in August. But um, but I think that it there's definitely going to be less of that uh, whatever you kind of Janice you've been on reliable sources as a guest right yeah yeah Yeah. a few times yeah yeah um I mean I think that it was um it's interesting it you know how media always thinks more people care about people in media than actually do and I know (laughs) (laughs) everyone's not reading my my newsletter every morning I mean it's very very shocking to hear this but um but you know it did it had a it had a small it had a small audience and um but i think they would probably consider it an important audience to have and i think those were things that were important to jeff zucker these this idea of having some having the mind share of an influential class of people he cared about um and i just have you i think we've seen this with zasloff like he's fairly ruthless about this like we're not doing things for the wrong reasons i mean i think we've talked about it a few times on the podcast the comments he made in back to the Wall Street Journal and the Joe Flint story about Clint Eastwood from the, those things that were leaked from the meeting. Like we're not, this isn't show friends, it's show business. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, so I think that, that those things that I think have been considered, you know, halos or ego plays for bosses or things that make them feel important or want to, you know, be seen at the right parties or red carpets or things like that are just, falling by well we'll fall by the wayside um and yeah, I think, it's not going to be a high priority um no and, and do you think i sean i'd be curious so your take is on this is do you think that um john malone had any you know does he influence this sort of um less kind of overtly liberal talking heads on cnn yeah, John you know, actually made a statement today saying I had nothing to do with this. this I do not, I do not, you know, which believe it or not, I, I know, and I don't think John Malone is sitting there going, get rid of this guy. Um, but the specter of John Malone was definitely floating around if I had to sure. guess. Sure, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's out there I mean, as a... Especially with Zucker's ouster. I yes, mean, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, yes. Different I mean, I'm sure you people. followed some of like, I mean, the, the and I, I feel for Brian in that like, the relentlessness of um, certain corners of the political spectrum and how they went after him and name called him and, you know, just were ruthless about him for the, for the past. I mean, I guess probably ever since he began to write the Fox, the book about Fox news was pretty, you know, it was hard to take. And I think that I'm, I'm assuming there was, I think this idea that there will, there can be political neutrality in media is going to be harder to achieve than than maybe some would think, um, but clearly he yeah. had become like this punching bag of for certain corners of the far right media, um, right? And yeah, yeah. Well, it also, it and they goes... have the, they can say it doesn't really actually have ratings to boot, right? It's yeah, it's Sunday morning, but you know, I mean, it's also this Chris Lick is he's redoing all the lineups. He's going to redo Sunday yes. morning. This is not part of Sunday morning. Chris Wallace is going to go on Sunday morning, and he's going to add in. He's going to build a new lineup, and this show that's been on for 30 years or you know, whatever it is, is in this genre of programming. I mean, who knows what Chris has in mind, um, but this clear, Brian, Brian wasn't it. And Brian gets a million dollar a year paycheck um, that still has three yeah. years left on it. So help me pay right. that a little is bit. That but, all, um, 
Is that all? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, talk, like, everyone, so everyone there was making like six million a year, like yeah, that, Anderson Cooper, uh, yeah. Don Lemon, like you know, just so like he only does one money. show a week, so yeah, it's not every night. So, um, so I think it's, it's probably more symptomatic of Chris wanting to make a new fresh start on a Sunday morning. Um, and For sure. With a big paycheck on it. Um, just to note, Oliver Darcy, who does his email, his newsletter, very popular, is staying on. So reliable sources as a brand may live on at CNN. It just, it just won't be a, a show. So that is to be determined as a side note. Mm. Um, Richard, do you have anything to say about the navel gazing of media and entertainment upon itself? <laughs> I mean, the, I, I think reporters should start a reporter network where they can reporters can talk about reporters to reporters all day long. I think that's called and, Twitter, yeah. isn't it? No, and, uh, <laughs> exactly. And, and just said, congratulate each other and and. Uh, Zay, yeah. I, wonder, I I I think that there's there's no topic uh, more beloved. Than, <laughs> um, by the way, do you know that moment, like when you're out to dinner with people who have nothing to do with media or entertainment and you, you bring, oh, you say like, oh my God, can you believe blah, blah, blah. And they like, look at you like, like, I mean, you're speaking a completely different language. So, um, anyway. That's when being a watching Yellowstone comes in handy because then you can just be like, <laughs> you can always talk about Yellowstone. <laughs> and you understand the real power of media and be like, oh, right. That one is the one that actually most people in the country care about, not this thing that everybody's talking about. Like, no, not everybody's not, they're talking about this. Just they're not talking about it. That's all. I'm glad you're like, I'm glad you're watching Yellowstone though, Jen. I'm very happy that I don't watch the I, show, but I'm glad that you, yeah, okay. I, you we've talked about on the show, on the podcast here, you, you know, in, uh, several times with the Emmy stuff. And now I'm glad that you actually are going I, in and I you're enjoying it. I recommend you watch it highly. It's okay. very, very good. Um, but, but great reporting from um, all of you this week, really informative. Um, and I hope that we, the information we provide actually gives, um, alleviates some anxiety and doesn't heighten it. So, um, okay. Thanks. Oh, to I have all one of you. note. Oh, yeah. I will yeah. say I'm working on a piece now that shows how Disney plus gets profitable. So oh, it's, it's a very, I, I had you've a seen a, you've seen of a version it. of it. So I will say that that was the one <laughs> thing that I dove into some Hulu numbers to be like, all right, Disney's saying they're going to be you know, profitable in two years. How the heck does this happen when you're losing $1 billion a quarter? And I'm like, oh, I get what they're thinking. There's a lot of caveats, but I'm like, oh, streaming may become, I was like, okay, it was one, uh, do you feel hopeful for that, Janice? Or that? Well, I thought, I thought that it was really smart. And also, Sean, I, I thought, and, um, and this will give you anxiety, I thought we should actually create a series of the road to profitability for, for all the different <laughs> streaming services. Oh, all right. Well, well that'll yeah. be September, Janice. That'll be fine. September. Remember, September. Yeah. <laughs> we have a very long flight where you could do it, which we're not going to talk exactly. about, but that's, that's, that's nice. what's giving, that's exactly. giving me anxiety. I'm going to break out the Xanax. Um, okay. So please remember <laughs> to like, and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and subscribe to the Ankler at the anchor.com. We'll see you all here next week. High anxiety. Whenever you're near High anxiety It's you that I fear My heart's afraid to fly It's crashed before But then you take my hand My heart starts to soar High anxiety 
it's always the same anxiety it's you that I blame it's very clear to me I've got to give in I anxiety I 